Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here. Welcome to Warriors 24. In this edition, I am, of course, with my cohort, the surf man himself, Lyra Satchis, and I am delighted to have with me a gentleman hailing from the University of Louisville. Yes, that's right, Louisville, which he claims is a much better school academically than the University of Miami, and I, I don't know. I'd probably have to agree with him. I don't know for sure, but the bottom line <laughs> is he was an All-American basketball player there. I had the privilege of having him as the starting point guard on the Warriors championship team back in the 74-75 season. Welcome, please, to my former teammate and friend, Butch Beard. Butch, welcome. How are you, Rick? How are you, man? You look great. I'm doing great. You know, so do you. You're a little bit grayer than uh, than I saw you the last time, but that's okay, yes. you know? Yes, this is... We're this is above the ground. Well, this is all COVID. I decided, well, you know what? I have a birthday. I have the big one coming up next year, 75. I was going to go and let it all go anyway. So when COVID came around, I said, what the heck? Why don't I just let it go? Yeah, why not? You look very <laughs> distinguished. You look like a professor or something. Uh, some people say that. Agreed. Some people say I look like an actor, but I won't tell you that actor yet. Uh, oh, young Morgan Freeman? Morgan there Freeman. you go. That's yeah, right. a much say, younger I'm, Morgan Freeman. I'm actually yeah. one of my favorite, favorite actors. I love Morgan Freeman. All right, time to take a quick break to talk about our longtime sponsor, Bet Online. July is well underway, and it's a great month for sports. The NBA Finals are going on. The hockey playoffs just ended, so my copy here says that it shouldn't. But baseball's going on, uh, UFC. Um, if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it. Again, from the NBA playoffs. Baseball, UFC, they have a casino, prop bets, futures. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today. That's betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus. Or I'm sorry, your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption, one of the there great movies go. that didn't get any kind of recognition. If you haven't watched it, folks, Check it out, Shawshank Redemption. And if you see it, just think of a young Butch Beard and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> Listen, so let, let's, and then you get down to it. Say, so serious, Cyrus, so you know, I'm going to tell people, people always ask about, you know, what happened when you guys lost, you know, you lost the Phoenix next year. And I want to tell you one of the reasons we lost the Phoenix in 76 in the finals in game seven, which is a nightmare to me, will always be, is because the gentleman who was with us right here wasn't on our team. And the reason he wasn't on our team is absolutely ludicrous as far as I'm concerned from everything that I heard. He has a wonderful wife here doing now, but back in those days, he had another wife that kind of annoyed the hell out of the general manager of our team. And he traded Butch Beard away when I was told because he didn't want to have to deal with his ex-wife. Now, I'm not happy about that because I can tell you right now that when Butch Beard was our point guard, I can guarantee you there was not a game ever that went by that I went more than a couple of minutes without that basketball being in my hand. 
And that wasn't always the case in the next season. Even though we had a terrific season, I think we would have had an even better season. Take nothing away from my teammates, but I think we would have had a better season. Butch is someone that nobody's name that doesn't bring up, but he was the guy who was our point guard, our quarterback. And he was didn't get the recognition that he deserved, but he was steady. He played defense. He could shoot the ball, but he understood how to play the game. So for that, Butch, I thank you. And I want people to understand and know where I'm coming from with this. So uh, we'll go on from there. Well, well I guess first, first well, off, well, wait, 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 wait a minute now. I, I really appreciate, you know, those, those comments. Uh, I don't know if Ruth Ann was total, the total reason why they, they <laughs> got rid of me. I mean, it, all they had to do was come to me and say, hey, we, we're having problems with your wife, and I could have taken care of that, okay? But <laughs> obviously, obviously, they must have thought that she was such a powerful force. No, it wasn't that. She, he didn't want to deal with it. That's what I heard. I'm serious. God rest his soul. He's not with us anymore. Dick Vertley would did an amazing right. job for us. Who used to be with the uh, you know up in Seattle doing some stuff with the uh, with the, the baseball team up there, but uh, that's what I heard. I mean, and it just it breaks my heart to think about it. Why in the world would you want to break up something that was working so well? I mean, no we had the greatest upset in the freaking history of the NBA. Why do you break up your starting lineup? I just don't understand that. I really don't. It, well, it, I, I don't either. But Rick, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little more into that. You were at the All Star game. And Al was at the All-Star game, so we had that break. I had gone into the office to pick up my mail, and Dick was in his office, and we, we just started talking. He says, and he says, you know, you should have been, either you or Jamal should have also represented the Warriors at the All-Star break. So I said, well, since, uh, you know, I didn't do that, I said, you know, this is my, you know, I got my contract coming up. I said, if we should happen to get to the playoffs and do well, Dick, you and I, we're going to have to sit down and we're going to have a real serious conversation on some money. Next thing you know, I'm done after that. <laughs> we win the championship. I'm just putting that in there, okay? Well, yeah. Well, but the thing is, you deserve to get more money with the way that you played and the, and the what you brought to the team. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean... And what he did, he, he'll probably, you know, if he was around, he'd probably defend Well, look, we had a better team and doing everything. I said, yeah, but the thing about it is we didn't have the veteran leadership and experience that you had when you were gone. And we would have been a better team. I, I'm, I know the game about we would have been a better basketball team had Butch Beard been our starting point guard. To take nothing away from Gus or anybody else. We would have been a better team. And I think I know somebody, I know a big guy about six foot nine. It's like a brother to me who probably would agree 100% talking about Clifford Ray. Uh, and, and I tell people this situation, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. when they ask about the team. I say, what I would say on our team, the most important person on our team was Clifford Ray. I think Clifford was like the hub. I mean, he was the guy that everybody gravitated. Everybody loved him. He was incredible, uh, you know, as a person and amazing as a player and a teammate. But he was the guy. He, he was the hub. And then we had the other spokes that were there and everybody contributed, did what they had to do, some a little bit more than others. But everybody was willing to do what it took to be a championship team. Would you agree with that assessment? I totally agree. I at first, you know, when they traded Clifford, uh, you know, Nate Clifford, that trade. And then when Clifford came, I was totally surprised that you and Clifford bonded. Now, those two personalities to me didn't fit. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, when he bonded with you, it was a little bit easier when we went to camp to start to define roles 
and that's what happened. And Clifford, God bless him, because what he did, he was able to take 10 situations and make it fun. You remember how you used to have a scouting report? You know, Al would ask you who you're playing and stuff like that. I'll never forget we're playing Boston. <laughs> he said, well, what about Dave Cowell? Well, you, you know, Dave Cowell, he's going to play hard, but I'm going to be I'm going to be tougher than he is tonight. Like, <laughs> hey, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, he, he mentioned so he would put in some other choice words, but I, yeah. I leave those out. OK, but yeah. I, God bless him. I love him like a brother. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, uh, he was a very special part of uh, what we were able to, to, yes. I mean, there's no question about that, but I don't know if you had the same feeling I had. I, I knew in training camp after everybody picked us not even to be a playoff team, which I thought was ludicrous, but I didn't expect us to be a world championship team, obviously at that stage, but at our camp, I, I just thought things came together. I really felt that there was something kind of special about our team because everybody was willing to, put their egos in the closet and we were really just trying to do what we could do and willing to accept whatever Al asked us to do. And whether a guy played two minutes or 20 minutes, you were going to get everything he had. And mm -hmm. if you can tell me what your thoughts were and when you kind of felt that we had something better than what people had thought. Well, I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, our camp was, it was competitive. I thought very competitive. I thought that, Players, like you said, were able to take their egos and put it aside. We understood what we had after about three days. We knew we had our one superstar. We knew we had people that could play and could contribute in certain ways. And then it just started to gel. If you can remember, Rick, we started the season. We won, I think, our eight straight games or something like that. Yeah, it was like six to eight games. I forget how many, but we started yeah. off with a nice streak. Yep. Yes. And that in itself started to, you know, as far as I was concerned, it started looking at it and I said, you know, we might have something special here. You know, we just might have something special because the year before, at the very end, you remember we had an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And I think we lost five of our last seven games or something like that. The Lakers, you know, eased in and won the Pacific, you know, uh, division. And it, 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 that 75 ball club, you're right, never got the recognition that it deserved. But, you know, we have the ring. We have great people. And that means more to me than anything else. Butch, where's your ring, by the way? Do you do you wear it? Do you uh, is it in a... I, now, my ring is in my ring case here <laughs> in my office simply because I wore it three times. I wore it for three weeks because I was traded so damn fast. It, it, it took something from it for me. Mm. I was glad to, you know, I was glad to be on the championship team. But, you know, I was gone. I didn't even go to the parade. You oh. guys had a parade. I wasn't even at the parade. They had traded me. So I jumped in my car and went back to Kentucky. <laughs> That's unfortunate. I mean, uh, it's, uh, but you know, the thing is they can't ever take the memories away because it was very special the way the team did it because it was, it epitomized to me exactly what a team was supposed to be. It's yes. not about, it's not about any individuals. It's about a team collectively. The only question we had and, 
and thank God we had two rookies who were just great contributors to our success, which you don't ever expect in the NBA to have two rookies come in. Jamal, who was Wilkes at the time, and of course, Phil Smith, who uh, is no longer with us, but uh, they just did such a great job. And and everybody else. I mean, I just saw Hopper call me about because I called him about, you know, something he called me back today. So he said to say hello. I told him you were going to be on the show with me. Hopper <laughs> was such a and CJ and Derek Dickey and George Johnson. I mean, and then we picked up Bill wow. and I mean, so it's just one of those wonderful situations where it was more like a college team atmosphere, I think, than it was a professional atmosphere from what I experienced. Uh, I don't know how you felt about that, but uh, what your experience was in college, but that's what I thought it was like. I mean, it wasn't like it was the one, and I didn't, I was there a number of years in the league and it was a special feeling. It's just a special yes. Feeling. yes. Yes. I had been traded four years in a row until I got to the Warriors. And so, you know, I was just following my contract. Yeah. I, I think, in, I think in terms of Steve Bracey, God bless him. He's not with us. He was traded from Atlanta to us probably played what about a hundred minutes you would have never known it because he was always there cheerleading always had advice he'd be sitting there watching something and you come out of the game you know he he'd say something to you as he used to say book the numbers better than most okay <laughs> you know? I mean you're right Rick it was a very it was a great group of people yeah, Frank Kendrick. and we and we had and we had the old man, you know, Jeff Mullins. He he was there to, you know, Jeff was there to kind of keep us all calm in tight situations as well. I mean, you you can't. Hey, look, we we were blessed. We were brought together for some reason to do something special, and we were able to pull it off. Yeah, I just to somebody else all these documentaries and features they have on this team and the documentary on our team. I feel bad. I got a lot of recognition and what have you, but it was such a special accomplishment. And to not do a feature about what happened and the way that it was done is beyond my comprehension with all, I mean, I'm watching some other stuff and what's so special about it. I mean, just doing another one about a Nick team or something because they're in you know it's the knicks in new york or whatever it may be um so i i feel badly maybe someday they'll they'll wind up doing it but it's a shame that they can't do it where they could have come and talked to all of the guys when we had so many other guys that were still alive but the beauty of what it is is that even when we do get together and, and thank god the warriors were nice enough to bring us back together on a number of occasions it's just i tell people it's so much more special than being a tennis player or being a golfer when you're doing it all by yourself, who do you share it with? You know, you got a guy that's trying to coach you, your family's supporting you, but you're not out there competing with them. It's just you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here, when you're doing this, you're doing it as a team. And I tell people the perfect example, and they kept giving guys all this credit and all because they have their own championships teams. You don't win championships by yourself. You win championships as a team. We would never have been a championship team had it not been for us playing so great as a team in game seven in the Western Conference Finals when I was stinking up the gym. And I tell people, <laughs> Al Adel's greatest coaching move was taking me and putting me on the bench midway through the third quarter. You tell me how many coaches in the NBA would take their leading scorer and top player and stick him on the bench for an extended period of time, the rest of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter conservative, I was kind of ready to go in at the end of the third, but you, you know, I think you were still out there at the time, but I mean, no, Cliff Wooford mm -hmm. and I were both 
on the bench. Over seven minutes held Chicago scoreless to get us back and still be in the game. And thank God when I did go in, I actually played well and we were able to come away with that victory. But we don't get to the finals to pull off the upset if it's not for my teammates doing what they did. And that's what I try to tell people basketball is all about. What is your recurrence of that situation at that particular time? Well, that that seventh game was <laughs> it was really a nail biter all the way. And, and you're totally right. But you know what, Rick? It, it stemmed from our relationship with Al all year long where he had enough confidence to pull people and set them and probably set them until, you, you know, you, you were so angry. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And then finally, when you did come back, you were ready to get it done. And that's just the way he, you know, he knew personalities, I guess, as a coach. And you've coached a little bit and I've tried to coach. So it, it was a very unique, it was a very unique time. I don't know if you remember. We ran a play where George Johnson set a pick and you came off the pick. And I'll never forget. I told Noopy in the doggone timeout, I said, Noopy, they're going to jump Rick, and Rick is going to pass the ball to you. You better catch that damn ball and dunk it, okay? <laughs> you know, you know, Noopy's hands were a little shaky sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're talking about <laughs> I was gonna try, Johnson. Yeah, I was going to try to explain that a little. We used to call them gloves, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I remember the play exactly as it was. I went yeah. up, jump shot, and dropped it down. Uh -huh. It was a big basket that kind of broke their back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember. Yes. It, I, I had I, no idea that you had talked and told him about oh, that. Oh, you want to know who? You want to know who? Because I was out of the game at the time. And when you all were walking to the huddle, I walked up to Al and I said, Al. I forget the play. I said, you know, I called the play. I said, we haven't run it. They haven't seen it. I said, Rick, they'll jump Rick. I said, the only thing is we had him hope and pray Noopy catches the ball because he's going to be wide open. I, if it was Clifford, I had a little bit better chance of saying Clifford's going to catch it and stuff it with one hand, you know. But Noopsie, but hey, it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea i had no idea about that so so you learn something new every day that's kind yes, of cool that we're able to go ahead and pull that sucker off but here's the yeah. thing you know clifford ray starting center george comes in he's on he's the biggest cheerleader on the bench rooting for george and george is blocking everything that's coming into the middle at that time he was unbelievable and that the thing yes. that may have been the finest stretch of basketball defensively that george ever played yes i mean he yeah. saved the game for us yes yes yeah. think about Think about how unique those two players were. Clifford on a pick and roll, he would jump out there. He would do what we call blitzing now. You know, he'd stop, you know, he'd stop the, the guard or whoever coming off of that pick and get back to his guy. George Johnson would just barely show. And then the guard would think he had an opportunity to get to the hoop. And the next thing you know, Doopy would be right there boop, with the block. I mean, <laughs> that's two entirely different people to try to you know, with a scouting report, try to see if you could, you know, take advantage of. So we, we, we were unique in a lot of ways. Well, <laughs> we, what I tell people about that is that we had a two-headed monster at the center position. To be between them, their points, their rebounds, and the stuff that they did was equivalent to a great center. 
It really truly yes. was. And so yes. hence Boston. Cliff, I mean, you know, you want to be physical? Clifford go out there. He could be physical with Dave Cowens and doing stuff. You needed some finesse. George was able to be there. And in fact, we had 12 fouls to play with, right? I mean, and so it was just a wonderful combination. And like you say, it was difficult for teams to be able to adjust to how you're going to do it. And the thing about Clifford that I love more, you said he, he would go out and show and get back. Hey, he'd go out and stay with the guards and get so low and guard them and not let them go by him. Here's a yes. six foot nine guy. I mean, because yes. back in those days, I mean, Clifford had about 2% or 3% body fat. He was, you know, he can move. He was, he was amazing. And he never got the credit I think he deserved for the kind of player that he was, but he certainly turned in. And you know, this is a fact because you had him as an assistant coach in New Jersey. Mm. And that's a whole nother story when I tried to be there with you and they wouldn't hire me, but that's okay. Wait, 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 what? Yeah. Can you explain that? We'll get into that, but let me just say, okay, okay. as far as, you know, as far as he became the best big man's coach in the NBA without question. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah. 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 yeah Rick's Rick been suggesting that, that, uh, that James Wiseman, uh, should be under his tutelage. And I don't know if you agree with that be. as well. The best thing they could do with James Wiseman is to let Clifford work with him. Well, well, somebody, because you guys are much closer to the West Coast and around the Warriors than I am. And every time I, you know, get on my iPad and I start reading about them wanting to trade him, they have to be uh, idiots. OK, because let me look at look at this. You got Steph at 30. He'll be 33. You have. Clay, who's coming back off of two major surgeries. Defensively, you don't know how good Clay is going to be. Mm-hmm. Steph is limited in what he does, okay, on the defensive end. And let that kid develop into a very good defensive player because he's long, athletic. Mm-hmm. Man, they have something special in him, and they don't know it. If they trade him away, to get to this so-called small ball that we're watching now, they're crazy as all get out. Wow. I love the opinion. No, I, I always have one. Always <laughs> have one. <laughs> he, he loves his opinion. You should love your own opinion. Uh, otherwise, don't have an opinion. So I, I, I agree totally. The guy is an amazing athlete. The one thing, he doesn't have maybe a natural great feel for the game as far as the offensive part of it concerned. He's 19. But you don't yeah. need him for offense. Right. Right. You need him. You need him to be a rim protector. You need him to be someone that can create problems for the other team in the middle. Plus he can run the floor. And the way that these guys play so unselfish, he's going to get a lot of easy shots and baskets mm-hmm. to have someone who understands the game as well as he has. He understands it. And I'm talking about Clifford to work with him. Just look at the people. Hell with you in New Jersey, he had Sean Bradley getting triple doubles at the end of the season. Sean and Bradley. He, and he helped me with Benoit Benjamin. And I don't know if anybody could do that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, every so, time I'd, I'd call, I'd say, Hey, Benoit, he'd say, you talking to me, coach? I said, Benoit, you're the only Benoit I have on the team. So I really <laughs> want to have a discussion with you. <laughs> well, what did I do wrong, coach? I said, not a damn thing. Would you just sit here and let's talk a little bit about what's going on out? Okay, cool. <laughs> So oh, I, I, I have to hear this though, because and and if and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he coached the New Jersey Nets from '94 to '96. Uh, so why yes. was Rick Barry not 
one of your assistants. Like what happened there? No, uh, let me just first say, I always appreciated the fact he's the only time ever somebody called me to ask me if I would be interested in being an assistant coach. And I, I really appreciated that. And here I was a former net myself. And then he came back and they told him, and then he'll take it from here. <laughs> he said, Rick, he said, they told me that I have to hire someone who was a former head coach. And I said, be careful, Butch, because if they're hiring him, that's the guy that's going to take your job. Take your job. <laughs> well, and sure enough, that's the kind of bullshit that happened. And uh, I, I wish I could have been there to, to help out. Clifford thinks it would have made a difference in what we could have done. But uh, hey, it wasn't meant to be, obviously. But I always was grateful for you asking me to do that. It's a shame we couldn't have uh, couldn't have hooked up. And I, had, I think I had told you that, I mean, I would have brought in these guys, if I had never gotten the job with the Warriors, especially, why the hell would I not bring in my teammates who I know that they know the game, who know what it takes to win and bring them in? I don't understand, Butch. How do teams allow head coaches, a general manager, allow a head coach, other than a guy to be your guy, maybe for defense and scouting, who really is really good at some of that stuff, but to bring in players to work individually with your players to develop them who wasn't a former player? I don't understand I that. I, I don't I don't get it, Rick. And the reason why I was trying to get us all together was exactly what you said. I'd been to war with you. OK, I knew you. Here was the thing that they said. Well, you know, Rick is Rick is so strong personality wise. I said, well, I know who Rick is. OK, I played with Rick. It won't bother me. He knows the game. He he knows it like I know it. OK, I won't have a problem with him coming to me with a suggestion and I can look at it and say, he may be looking at this right because there were a number of times, you know, you said some things to me on the floor. I looked at you like you were nuts. And then I did what you said and it worked out for me. Okay. <laughs> so those things, you know, you take into consideration. It's, it's, you know what, Rick, it was a different time then in an NBA dealing with things and now you have nothing but analytical people controlling everything, mm. which makes the game really an ugly thing right now. It's ugly. Yeah. It's truly, truly, truly ugly. Yeah. Plus, hey, Butch, back to your thing with New Jersey. They don't really understand me. I mean, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. Do they honestly think that I would ever try to overshadow you? I would not. People want to do it. I said, no, you asked Butch. I would have taken the role that I was taking. My role would have been there to help you, to help develop the other players, and to do it collectively. You're the head coach. I'm the assistant coach. I never would have overstepped my bounds and do everything as much as some of the guys wanted to talk to me. That's not my responsibility as an assistant coach. That's yours as a head coach. Yes. Well, I, I, I could have handled that. I, I really believe I could have handled that without any trouble. But, you know, I, I was dealing with seven owners, seven guys that I could never get in the room at the same time and make a, and they couldn't make a decision. It was very hard. Okay. And so it, 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 it was tough. It was tough. When we lost the game, all seven of them would come in one at a time. And I had to explain the reason why we lost. So, you know, I got to Willis and told him, hey, Will, bring them all in at the same time, okay? So I can tell him whether we win or lose, you know, how we won the game or lost the game. And only, most have, of to time, once. only have to do yeah. it once. Yes. Yeah. And most of, the, yes, most of the time they walk in, I said, hey, they scored two more points more than me, that, that, than us, okay? That's it. I'll, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. That's you like know? the movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Office Space. There, there's a funny scene in there where 
He goes, I have seven managers that I have to submit yeah. these TPS reports to. That just sounds exactly the same. It's a horrible uh, structure for success. Seven yes, different people. But they had another, they had, to be honest with you, Rick, they had another, they had another game plan. They were going to sell the ball club. Then they wanted to make sure that books looked a little bit better for whoever was going to buy it. And so that's, that's what happened. No, no, no. That, that's me. That's Do you have me. to go? No, no, no. Okay. No, I stopped it. it okay. It's, it's, it's technology. Okay. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I know that if they would have left me alone, and let me coach and bring the people that I wanted in, they could have gotten more out of it than what they did. Oh boy, have I heard that and experienced that myself even on the minor league level. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, no, no. I, th but that's the truth. I, I, I truly, I can take that to the grave because I truly believe that. Because I did the same thing at Howard University. I took, a, I took 15 kids and I got blood out of a tournament. And I told them the minute I walked on campus, we're going to go to the NC2A tournament. This was a group of kids that had only won two ball games uh, two years in a row. Okay, so they won four ball games in two years. In two years, we had won 16. We won uh, 14 of our last 15 games to get us into the tournament. And they had, I told them, we're, we're going to go to the NC2A tournament. They just stuck us to, you know, that we were 16th seed and played Kansas. And I had Roy on the ropes in, in, in Dayton. I was down two on a fast break, okay, with seven minutes to go. We missed a wide open layup. And to this day, I'd love to have felt what would have happened if we had scored. Because I'm telling you, Roy was out of Kansas. He was scared to death. They ended up beating us by 18 or whatever. He was scared to death. I had him on the ropes. I had him on the ropes. Yeah, well, that's the thing I tell people in games and stuff. It's easy to play when you're ahead, you know, or, you know, and it's hard to play when you get behind. I mean, it's a whole yes. ball game, especially when you're expected to win. I mean, that's the thing, like the Warriors. I told people that shot, if you remember the, the playoff game when they lost, I mean, it's just such a tragic thing. Only the worst four minutes and 20 seconds in the finals NBA seventh game I ever saw in my life. One basket made, a three-pointer by Kyrie Irving, and one free throw of two by LeBron James. And the Warriors got nothing because they just kept shooting three-point shots. Mm -hmm. But when you're tied or you know, in a game and you take a three-point shot, that's an easy shot to take. Because if you miss it, you're still tied. But if they were down two and the Warriors had gotten, I would have sent the guys and said, let's drive to the best, get some free throws, have Clay and Steph go to the hole, try to get some free throws, knowing they're going to make them. Make that other team on the seventh game on the road have to play from behind. There you go. And there you go. It's going to change the entire dynamic because it's hard to take a shot when you're down one or two points to take a three point shot in the game. That's not an easy thing to do. Not easy. I agree. I agree. I, I would agree. love to. I, first of all, it's fascinating to me here uh, hearing former uh, pro athletes revisit these what if moments because the fans are haunted by it. But we always wonder, like, do the players and coaches do they are they haunted? Do they have nightmares of this? And the answer is yes. Clearly, you two revisit these moments and these little these tiny little particulars, especially. Um, but change the subject real quick. Uh, I would love your feedback on Team USA. Uh, what are your thoughts on the construction of the team? They're one and two in exhibition play. Uh, do you think they're going to win gold? And yeah, what's your opinion on this team? I, I, we, we are supposed to have the best players in the world. 
Okay. We do have the best players in the world. I have never seen a team constructed without a damn center. This is a ball club. This small ball that we're watching is crazy because they're going to get their brains beat out <laughs> when the game slows down a little bit and the rest of the countries start to, you know, play physical with them. I don't give a crap how many threes you hit. They're going to physically beat them. And here is the one caveat. Rick, you, did you play uh, international basketball? No, I didn't you, get a to do a lot of it. All right. I had, an opportunity. I had an opportunity to do that. Okay. I, I, I won a gold medal in 67 for the World Games. We were in Tokyo. Okay. Here's what I do know. The officials do not care who you are. You watch the two games that we lost. Most of the NBA players thought they got fouled and they gave you the same stuff that they gave, you know, during the NBA season. You know, then they get the get the call the next time. These guys don't they don't care who they are. And that's going to be the down. That's going to be the downsize of what is going to happen to us. I'm telling you, I I, I don't like the way the team is constructed Mm. at all. I really don't. I think it's a farce. So does that mean you think they won't win the gold medal? Like, no, they won't. Wow. Rick, Rick, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it depends. They have a couple of guys there if they get going really hot and stuff that they'd be able to maybe carry them over the threshold. But I think they're going to have their work cut out for them. It's not going to be like you've seen in the past where it's, you know, just playing around with somebody and tinkering with them and just beating some teams really badly. I think it's a, a great indication of that, of what happened when they played uh, Nigeria or whatever. I mean, shit. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, then Australia, they don't have any, any super great players or whatever. It, it, it'll come down to, I think it'll come down to this. How committed will they be to play great team defense? And if they don't do that, they will, I agree with bitch. They have a chance to be beaten and knocked off. If they play defense and keep themselves in the game, they have, they have a Kevin Durant. They got a Booker. They got some guys that can carry them offensively, but they better better focus on becoming a great team defense. And if they don't do that, they're in trouble. Well, did you see Australia, you know, with their, their pick situation, they slipped picks, got back doors. That should never happen. That's the scary part. That's the part that scares me. There were so many times when Australia slipped the pick and they were wide open for a dunk. That, that to me, those guys are too good for that. They have to take their ego, put it off to the side, like you said, Rick, and decide to play great individual defense as well as team defense. Now, if they do that, they'll win going away. But I don't see it. Yeah, well, here's the the problem, Butch. The problem is teams today, they're not used to that because teams today don't slip screen. When do you see the last game when guys are slipping screens and reading defenses? Australia and those foreign countries study the game from the fundamental standpoint. Mm -hmm. And they do these little things, the little nuances of the game. They execute well. The NBA teams don't necessarily do that. There are people are cheating and hedging. You know with Clifford and I, if I nodded my head, Cliff knew I'm telling him, go to the basket, man, because your defense is in a bad position and he's slipping and get a dunk. I just don't see that now offensively that teams know how to run that kind of stuff very successfully, and it's going to cause a problem. And here's what happened. Australia, should, they put on a clinic for yes. how to run the yes. game and win games. Yes, yes, yes. Now, when, when did 
would somebody help me because I'm I'm old and I don't even understand what's going on. When did it get to the point in the NBA when you just automatically switch when people came together to get a mismatch? When did that happen? Nobody tries to get nobody picks, but nobody tries to get over a pick. They just automatically switch. When did all of this switching? When did when did that start? The We're Warriors gonna watch it tonight. The We're Warriors small ball. I think yeah. the Warriors small ball lineup really uh, influenced the game because the Warriors had a unique roster that could pull off a combination of, of those defensive switches and heaving up threes while not having a true center. So many other teams, you're right, have decided, oh, that's the way we got to do it now. Even though the when you look at it, the Warriors roster in those years was just so unique. That's just my opinion on this. But I think that's when we started noticing that. You're right. People don't now they just switch. Well, you don't see them. I'll tell you why. Here's why they're switching. Because the game has become a three-point game, and they're trying to take away the three-point shots, and they're not worried about a mismatch, forcing the team to have to do something that they don't want to do because they want to shoot threes. So they're trying to negate the threes and get hurt with the threes. I, but I, what I still like to see happen, and I'm just old school, whatever you want to call it, I love inside out. I'm sorry. I do too. I, I, you create so many problems. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a center. Even with the small ball, they put five guys out. You still can put, if you got a guy like when I, if I were coaching the Warriors when Baron Davis was there, I would have, I have talked to Baron about this. I would have posted Baron up. Big, strong, yeah. in the post who can know what he's doing in there. Hey, and if you got to double him, you got your best passer to pass the ball out to people and create all kinds of easy opportunities. I, I just I just have a hard time enjoying watching the game the way it's played right now. Yeah, teams are starting to pass the ball more than they did before, but it's all being passed to try to get three-point shots. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. You know, Rick, that's okay to some extent because they're looking for a mismatch, supposedly, in their favor, okay? <laughs> yeah. But tonight, we're going to watch – we're going to watch Milwaukee with Giannis. And Giannis – even when they post him up, he doesn't even have a post move. He he can't even, you know, he can't back somebody up and shoot a little jump hook. He doesn't even know how to do it. But he can shoot a three, and he's terrible at shooting threes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm and people and people are saying, "Wow, look at how great he is!" And I'm saying, "Why don't you just put him on the block? Thank Why you. don't you cross screen for him? Have him come to the block, drop it down in there, like you said, Rick." Okay, you can you can you can work off of him. He can he can be much more effective. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Put him at the free throw line, back pick him, and let him send him to the basket. Maybe get a mismatch, and then the other guy pops out and is going to be wide open for a shot from fifteen mm-hmm. feet. Let that be. Let that be Middleton. Let that be Middleton that yeah. sets the back screen. Let Giannis come off of it, and you have you, you have Holiday there. You have him right there in a triangle, and you can just you can do wonders. Dude, regardless of what happens tonight, do you two have a, a pick for who's going to win this series, or will it depend on uh, tonight's game? Tonight's game for me, I think. You know, I think what happened? Phoenix did what they're supposed to do. They won at home, okay? Mm-hmm. And actually, Milwaukee, you know, other than the fact that they sent them to the free throw line 26 times and they made 25 of the 26, I think it was some crazy number, and, and they only got to the line a few times. They lost a the game at the free throw line. They played well. If they play that way and play well without putting them on the free throw line – they actually can win once they go back to Phoenix, but obviously they got to win the game coming up tonight. And then they will have done what they did. It turns into a three game series and anything can happen. Yep. So I want to ask in- the question. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I asked the no, no, question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. 
Giannis shooting free throws. Have you ever seen anything like where you're at the free throw line? He goes through all this routine, whatever it is. And the official is holding the damn ball until he gets through doing that. And then they throw him the ball. Have you ever seen anything like that in no, your life? That's, obs that's obscene. Absurd. First, you know, no, because the thing is, he has 10 seconds. So you're going to wait to give him five or six or seven seconds to do three times practicing his motion for the shot. Although he actually shot it for him great in the last game. But yes. That's, that's part of the 10. That should be part of the 10 seconds. Give him the ball. And if you want to do it, put the ball on the floor, do your things. But you only have 10 seconds to shoot. And why he wants to take so much time with the ball in his hands when you don't have confidence in yourself is beyond my comprehension. Because that just gives you more time to think about how shitty you are at the free throw. <laughs> and in all honesty, I've never seen a player get punished for the 10-second rule ever you know, at the free throw line. That was the first time I even knew that rule existed, To be in all honesty. So, yeah, it's very unique. And you guys have, have seen this game a lot longer than me, so I don't know if you've seen that before. Oh, yeah. It, it, hey, and let's not forget the, whoever started this up, and I have no idea where it first came about, and I hate it, that <laughs> when he misses, go up and give the guy and smack him on the head. Hey, he just missed the free throw. Go up and smack him in the freaking head. You know, <laughs> he just missed a damn free throw. What are you going smacking his hand around the butt? Yeah, hey, no, you idiot. Make your free throw. <laughs> You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Oh, I love there you this. go. Part of our show <sighs> all the time. And I really, I, I mean, most players, people can't deal with the truth when it comes to things like that. And I just think it's crazy that why would I, if I was a coach, I would never have allowed my players to ever do that. I said, what are you doing? Let the guy alone. Let him focus on his routine. Let him concentrate on what he's doing. This is a chance to put three points on, you know, some free points on the board for us, one or two, depending, or maybe three, depending on the situation. Leave him alone. And he's walking around. The guy's looking for guys' hands to slap. I mean, give me a break. And then what really kills me, Butch, is when a guy walks off the free throw line. After, especially after he made one. You're in the perfect spot. You just made a free throw. Why do you want to be bothered with anything else other than give me the damn ball so I can make the next one? I don't know. I've been in, I've been in that situation. I've been at where my teammate turned around my back like that. Cyrus, did, can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me, please. I got a thick skin, man. Bring it. Hey, you know, the fourth game, the fourth game in Washington. Oh, yeah. I, I, grabbed, remember this. I, grabbed, I grabbed a rebound in between Unsel and, and E, right? And they fouled me, and you can see it. My teammate right there, he hit me on the rear, and he said, go get him, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, and to be honest with you, I, was, I think I was an 82 or 83% free throw shooter that year. I didn't really think about it that much when I went to the free throw line. I go to the free throw line. I put the first one up. Boom. Bounces off. I turn around and look at my teammate who's standing a little bit farther down. Because, you know, he's 95, 96%. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so now I'm, it's best two out of three. Let's <laughs> shoot the second one. It felt so good when it left my hand. I said, that that should just about, you know, finish everybody off. It hits the back of the rim, and I'm ready to go, you know. you like, My teammates would have come up and said, all right, relax. Okay. <laughs> they looked at me <laughs> like, damn, you're an 80% free throw shoot. It should go <laughs> So thank God I had that third one. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I tell you, if I, re I remember that and everything, I actually smacked you pretty damn hard on your ass. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> 
And after, and after you missed the second one, I wanted to come up and kick you in the ass. <laughs> you see what I mean? Hey, yes, I do. Yes, sometimes. I do. <laughs> God. That's crazy. Now, you know, I, you... Of all the oh, things sir. you've accomplished, I mean, obviously in all America that, that you know at Louisville. By the way, Butch Beard is here joining me. My my teammate, the starting point guard on our championship team, Aaron Warriors twenty four, uh, Rick Barry, along with Cyrus Satchis. All America, you know, at Louisville. How about give me your fondest memory uh, and your experience there at Louisville? Playing with the big fellow, playing with Wes. Mm. God bless him. He's gone now, but uh, yeah, he he. He was the best outlet passer I thought that ever, you know, played the game. When I played in college, Rick, I, I was a forward, and he told me, he said, you block your man out, count to three, take off, I'll get the rebound, I'll throw it to you. Because West really didn't like to score. I did like to score a little bit in college, and I was the middle man on the break. That's how I scored. I, they never ran a play for me at U of M in the three years that I played varsity ball. Never ran a play for me. I did it all in transition. So it, 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 you know, miss, miss the big fella. We were roommates for three years. I do. I really miss him. Uh, he was a unique person. He's another person that I call an anomaly who was someone with a, a difference, a to totally out of the ordinary type of size and played the position differently than anybody ever played it. Yes. Yes. And him and, him yes. and Wilt were the only ones to win what rookie of the year and MVP in the same year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you know. I, I think it's it's fair to say you and Wes Unseld were the, are the two most notorious players to ever uh, put on a jersey at Louisville. Um, and Butch, you know, you've been, you've been in the news fairly recently for this because um, I believe you posted a letter uh, telling Louisville, "Look, stop using my name for a variety of purposes because you're not you weren't happy with." Uh, and correct me at any point on this, if I'm mistaken, um, you feel like they're not repre representing black athletes at the proper proportional rate. Um, are things good now at Louisville? Are you still asking them not to to mention your name? And what do they need to do to to make things to to make peace? We're going to have a we're going to have a meeting next month. I'm going to fly into Louisville, sit down with them. It wasn't about me as much as it was about the guy we just talked about, Wes. I think there should be a statue of Wes Unsel yes. on that campus. They did retire his jersey. They have a statue of Johnny Unitas, who played at Louisville. Wasn't a great player. He, 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 he made his claim to fame with the Baltimore Colts. Okay? Uh, there's a statue of Leonard Lyles, who was a defensive back, uh, played for the Colts. Okay? There's nothing of Wes Unsel. And I just think that, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but they're crazy. <laughs> they're, they're crazy as hell. So I, as long as I have breath in this body, I'm going to stay on top of them until they go ahead and erect something so that the kids, the African-American kids who have followed in his footsteps know why and how they got there. That's it. That's what that was all about. And you erect know. a statue of Butch Beard too while we're at it. I mean, why not you too, right? No, I'm I mean, no. I, I, as I tell the people in Louisville, you know, <laughs> Long Ranger had Tonto, okay? Batman had Robin. I'm the sidekick, baby. I'm going to be the sidekick, okay? I don't have a problem with it, okay? <laughs> I really don't. 
but until they do it, I'm, I'm serious about the fact that I'm, I'm willing for them to take down and they have a few things of me up. I'm willing for them to take it down. Well, here's the thing, you know, hopefully they will and do something of that to honor Wes. And the sad part about it is it should have been done while he was still alive. Yes. That was Rick. That was the other thing I've talked to the, you know, the new president and I told her, I said, why wouldn't y'all have done this when he was alive? Why did we have to wait until he passed away? Mm-hmm. And, and we have a memory lane now. We have a group of guys in the 60s that I played with at UofL. We, we sat back and reminisced every two weeks, okay? And his death brought us together. And so we're all for that. And that's the reason why I said this August meeting is going to be interesting in itself to see if the university understands where we're coming from. Yeah, but they, it, that, that exists in a lot of places. I mean, they decide... I'm only concerned about Louisville. I'm only there. There should be something of you. There should be something. Is there something to you down in 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 Miami? Uh, Well, they were Chase Center. Chase Center should have a statue of Rick. Hold it. Let let me just say. Here's the deal. My jersey wasn't the first jersey retired at the University of Miami, and it shouldn't have been. But it wasn't the guy whose jersey it should have been. And so I was the second one when I down there and I got it. I got my jersey retired. I got the microphone and I said, thank you very much. I appreciate the honor. As I say, even though I was the second one and the jersey of the first one shouldn't have been the first one, not to take anything away from his accomplishments, but he shouldn't have been first. Uh, The first one should have been a guy by the name of Dick Hickox, who was a great point guard, unbelievable. And he was there and I took the microphone and I said, and I would just want to say the gentleman sitting behind me right here, jersey, should have been the first jersey up in this rafters. And hopefully it will be up there next year. And that was Dick Hickox. And I said that, and I went to the, the Paul D who was the athletic director and went and said anything. They didn't do it, do something. He wound up dying. And I'm going to tell you something. When I did that, I went over to, he had tears in his eyes about it. It would have meant so much to him. He had coached there. He had done stuff. He was the first All-American basketball player there. How could you not retire his jersey first? <laughs> Rick, schools do crazy things, okay? Yeah. And that's the reason why right now I can only have an influence, hopefully, at the University of Louisville with this. And, you know, like I said, in August, uh, you know, we'll we'll have whatever it is. <laughs> I don't have much. I, I really don't have much uh, confidence in them understanding where I'm coming from. That's I a really shame. don't. That's a shame. I really don't. Really you know, Butch, you wrote this. You wrote this letter in January. I don't understand yes. why it's so difficult. A to recognize just how dominant of a player Wes Unseld was and how much he contributed to that school. And B, is it that expensive to to erect a statue? Is it? A, I mean, what's the issue? Like, what are they telling you is the issue for placing a statue there? Because I feel like that would that would certainly settle a lot of things here. I'm sure, a booster. I'm sure an athletic booster. Would yeah, be happy to put the money up. Then and hopefully find somebody who maybe is a sculptor that has, has some some type of uh, association with the university and get it done relatively inexpensive. Yes. Oh yeah, I know how much it costs. I won't say we've already been through that, and we'll we'll see. You know what I'm saying, Rick? We will see. Uh, I I don't get it. I really don't. I don't get it. I I, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. I don't get it. I, don't get it. I, I was I was doing my research on this story, Butch, and I don't get it either. I I, I mean. 
I mean, I, I mean, the only the only rationale are very dark thoughts that I'm not going to express for the why. And I hope that's yes. not the reason, yes. you know, and I could see why you're not happy with this either. I, it's, it's insane. I, I cannot think of a justifiable reason why he is not being recognized properly, especially when, like you said, Johnny, Yu has a statue. So why not Wes? I, I, I'm, I agree. Well, Johnny, you the, the, what did he do to deserve a statue there? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's it. See, that's that's what I talked to. The, that's what I talked to the this new president about, I said, I'm not against Johnny Unitas having the statue. He has a, he has a dorm in his name. I said, we have nothing for Wes Unsel. Aww. I said, Wes Unsel was an All-American at the University of Louisville. Wes Unsel was the reason why you had African-American players come to the University of Louisville. Right. I told her, I said, do you realize if Wes Unsel and Butch Beard had gone to the University of Kentucky, we would never know what the University of Louisville was about. Do you understand that? But they don't understand it. They think That's, that, you know, it, it, it's it's crazy. But I'll try to educate next month. And then if I don't get what I want, you may see another letter because it's already been written. It just hasn't been put out there. Oh, I love it. And we'll support, we'll support you to the end on that, Butch. I, I, I'm sure he spoke on Rick, speak on Rick's behalf as well. Um, by the way, gentlemen, changing the subject, something more lighthearted real quick. Let's say Milwaukee wins tonight. Who's, who, it's a best of three series. Who wins the NBA Finals? Who's the world champion? I, I, you know me. I'd never put a plug nickel on any game because I know what can happen. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, anything can happen in the world of basketball. And it's just it'd be a matter which team is going to go out there and execute the best on the defensive end of the court because the team and that's where the championship comes from you win championships you know you got to have offense but you got to play some defense and the team mm -hmm. that plays the best defense will have the best chance because both teams have players capable of scoring points and the team that plays the best overall team defense is who's going to win that's that's what it's going to come down to but and i'm going to i'm going to say that phoenix is going to win the championship I'm hoping it doesn't go seven because if it goes seven, I'll have to give you a call, Cyrus, and tell you that. Eh. <laughs> Phoenix and six, okay? Fair enough. Sounds good. Uh, and and, and uh, Butch, anything you'd like to promote? I mean, uh, I, I, you're not on. I couldn't find you on social media. Maybe you're on Instagram. I couldn't find you on Twitter. Nope, 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 uh, nope, nope. Good, nope, good for nope, you. So, any websites? Nope, any books? Nope, any projects? Nope, All right. Nope, nope. Love nope. it. I, I stay up here. I stay up here in Harlem, and I hide. I'm three blocks from Walt Fraser, Rick. Five blocks wow. from Earl, five blocks from Earl, Earl Monroe. Occasionally, we get together and have lunch. That is when Clyde decides he wants to walk the streets with all of that <laughs> 1970s, you know, outfit. Is he still he said, that stuff? Yes, he said, "Bid, <laughs> I can't walk. Bid, I can't walk down to the Red Parrot because." Did you? I got people following me. I said, Well, if you just take that loud shit off, yep, okay, yep. <laughs> then you can walk down. Earl and I can be there. They don't follow us around like they follow you, okay? <laughs> I hear you, did. <laughs> hopefully, oh, he shows up for, hopefully, he shows up on time to your luncheon because he's notorious for, for being late or not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to his restaurant in New York? No, I have not. The, the sport, pretty nice, pretty nice, pretty nice. He, he's okay. down. It, it's truly amazing. He has a great sports restaurant over top of the Lincoln Tunnel, but yeah. it is nice. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I mean, just the, the location of it all is what I'm saying. That, God, is, yeah. is, you have it over the Lincoln Tunnel in the water or is <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Well, Bush, before we let you go, man, I mean, the Bay Area loves you. Uh, I mean, you're, you were part of that 1975 championship team. By the way, Rick, how, how flattered are you that during the NBA finals, your, your name still pops up regularly as yeah, scoring yeah. the most points ever in your first finals appearance i think devin booker is trying to chase you but uh you got that number one slot i learned i've learned more things about what i did in my career that i had no idea about because i only played for one reason that was to win and i and, and stuff shows up all the time i i, I kind of like really i did that that's amazing i i had no idea <laughs> i mean seriously i another thing somebody just showed me another thing they sent to the you know the, the Giannis situation and then something about for overall nba thing and this and that shit i did a lot of shit that i didn't know about <laughs> <laughs> you know but it was a, it's a different time and era like butch said it's all analytical it's all about stats and everything yeah. else i had no idea about these things i mean yeah. seriously what the, what does it mean I mean, it's mean nice. It's great. But hey, Cyrus, Cyrus, yes, sir. Me, yes, sir. Cyrus, I got I, I really do have to finish on this. This is funny as hell. OK. It was my first year at Golden State. We just blew an opportunity to get into the playoffs by losing five of the last seven, I think, games. OK. Of the series. We're in Portland. He warms Portland up, I think for like 51, maybe 56. I don't know. I know it was in the fifties. I have a triple double 25, 10 and 10. Uh-huh. I got a blurb like that. <laughs> it, you're holding like a, a, a millimeter <laughs> length. Yes. I got a blurb like that in the paper. <laughs> we talked about that. Well, listen, triple double. Like triple everybody double. gets hung up on the scoring, but that's the great story about this. Was like Paul Horning goes out and scores like four touchdowns, an unbelievable day he has. And Gail Sayers scored six or seven that day. Nobody even heard about Paul Horning and what he did. That <laughs> <laughs> it goes. Oh um, man, I'm and, telling and, you, Butch. I really appreciate. It. I'm glad you're healthy and everything is good for you. The boys are doing good. Yeah, family's doing good. Everybody's doing good. We're hanging in. Uh, when are you going back to Florida? Not until uh, probably late October. I will, I'll be back to my place over on the east side, uh, probably right after maybe, maybe for Thanksgiving for you know, for the winter. Okay, so well, maybe, have this maybe I'll drive, drive over. They have a sports banquet in Boca Raton that uh, I think they're going to try to have it again this year. I was honored one time to have a lot of other people that have done it. So maybe we do something and set it up. Maybe you can come down to that in December. I think it's on December. Well, 7th. it's December the 8th. And guess who's going to be the speaker? Oh, December 7th. Who? Yeah, moved it. Eighth. They moved it to the 7th, I think. No, it's December the 8th. No, I just talked to somebody the other day. And they said they had to <laughs> Whatever, whatever. <laughs> who's the speaker? Who's the speaker, Butch? You. <laughs> Me. They're honoring nice. you? Nice. Yes. Nice. All right, there you go. See, I didn't even know. They didn't tell me who they're running. So it looks like I'm well, going. it just happened. It just happened an hour ago. <laughs> Seriously, and they said the eighth. Yes, yes. It was somebody. Eighth. I just talked to somebody yesterday the other day. He said, "Rick, can you help us out?" Blah blah blah. We're doing it. I said, "Well, I have it on my thing." He said, "No, it's December seventh. I said, really?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, we no, it's the it's the eighth. I just got I I got all the information. That's okay. 
Well, that's Look, I'll be there. That information. I'll be there. I had it. I had it the eighth on my calendar and do it because they moved it to a bigger place because the fire marshals got mad. They had so many people at the other place. So they got another club where they've got, they can seat as many as 900 people. Ooh. And they got a lot of really avid basketball fans down there. And uh, it's, it's a really cool event. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's the best that's far too many people for me. I, I'm stage <laughs> fright already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Butch. Take care. Thank you, man. It was really nice meeting you, Butch. I mean, again, for for people like me who love the Warriors, uh, I mean, like I said, man, you were, uh, until Stephen Curry and this new team arrived, you guys were it for for champions, you know, and and the Barrier loves you, and and, and I do hope you come out here sometime and hope the Warriors show you the respect you deserve uh, if you ever make an appearance at Chase Center. Thanks, sir. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Rick, you look great. You guys stay safe, okay? Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right, Cyrus, another uh, fun thing. It was great to have him. I know I talked to you know, the Hopper, Charles Dudley. We'll have him in another time. We'll try to get some of my other teammates and do that sometime during the course of, uh, of the year. God that was willing. awesome, Rick. That was awesome, Rick. And before we go, by the way, I, you know, you, I, I forgot that you had two rookies on that championship team in 75. Right. And with the Warriors having these two lottery picks and the fact that these two picks could be players that have – that could be NBA ready, right? Davion Mitchell has four years of experience. Uh, some of the names of the 14th pick are older players that, that they're looking at. Do you think the Warriors, if they don't make any serious moves, let's say they keep the same roster, Clay comes back, maybe Oubre Jr. is re-signed. Do, do they have a championship team, in your opinion, with what they have if they add maybe some veterans like a Kevin Love or something like that? Well, I think they have to make some changes. They got to add something. I, they can't be relying on young people to do it. That was an anomaly. What happened with our two rookies, and we got okay. to the, of the year. Uh, I, you know, they need to do something to bring somebody in. I, I think Kevin Love would be a great addition to the amazing, team. amazing. I, I really Agreed. do. Um, I mean, he's one of the guys that I would have to say that when I first saw him when he came in, and he wasn't a guy that spent a lot of time in the weight room. He's not like an Adonis type body. <laughs> he's like, I, I just, I kind of <laughs> right. laugh. But then again, it shows you don't have to have that. Look at the wonderful career he's had. And look at the Joker. The Joker hasn't spent a lot of time. Dokic and Doncic. Yeah, Luca. He hasn't spent a lot of time in the weight room either. I mean, (laughs) so anyway, it it just shows you that you don't have to have that kind of body. And, you know, know, the Iceman, I mean, he was so skinny and stuff. So they're going to break him in half. Kevin Durant, you know, come on. This is a guy that's going to break. So anyway, uh, they need to do something. And I'm sure they're putting a lot of thought into it. Uh, But if they can get someone that you know what, who you're getting. Mm-hmm. If you know who you're getting, you know what that player can do for you to help you in the areas that you know are important areas to improve your team, you need to do that. And if they can't get Agreed. that, then don't get, rid of, don't get rid of the people just to get somebody in there. I mean, you know, because you may have somebody that could develop as something special, but the, the big thing is, is we know, no, they have a short window of opportunity here and they got to take advantage of it. Correct. You can follow Rick Barry on all social media platforms at Rick 24 Barry. Is rickberry24.com ready? No, but just, just okay. keep in mind, check it out. We're working on it. I got a lot of really cool things that I'm going to have on there that I think you'll be interested in. So check it out and see when it's up and ready to go. Um, I think you'll be impressed. In fact, my guy who's a tech specialist at all is going to put it up there. He's adding a lot of technical things to it that'll make it load fast and do all kinds of wonderful things. So that'll be great. Meanwhile, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's just try to enjoy uh, our summer, what's left of it for everybody. I know time's flying, Rick. Time is flying, man. This summer's already almost over. We're in July. It's crazy. One of the most profound things my father ever said to me, son, the older you get, 
the faster the years go by. If you think it's going by fast now, wait till you get to be my age. Oh. It's kind of scary. But life is great. I'm thrilled. I'm looking forward to continuing with the big three, which is going to be very competitive this year. My team. Nice. Way to go. Hey, I have Leandro Barbosa is my guy in the first game. He's, he's still as quick as he was. when He's 39, still quick as hell. He was the, the major force behind us winning our first game and just a coach's dream. I mean, I just love this guy's attitude. What a great guy. <laughs> And uh, looking forward to having him and seeing if we can uh, win a few games and be a little bit more competitive this year. And then, of course, got to play some pickleball. Heck, yeah. You're one of the champs, sir. Pickleballconnections.org. That's going to be up and operating, too. If you're into pickleball, you want to check that out. Pickleballconnections.org. Beautiful. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at DogSurfRoadShow. You can follow the program and all social media platforms at Warriors24Pod. Rick, always a pleasure, sir. Look forward to the next time. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 